You are listening to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. To learn more about CRCC, including worship times, visit us at crcconline.com. But I want you to think about to one simple concept, because what I believe is that today we need to answer the final question that's on the prayer guide if you were doing that. Every Sunday there was a question that was a lunch question for you to discuss. And today's question, I actually wrote it down in my notes to make sure that I told you exactly what it said. It says, what needs to change in my slash your life to make what you want to be known for actually what you are known for? Like it's one thing to talk about something. It's another thing to actually apply and start to to do something about it. And so what actually has to change in my life or in your life to actually make what I want to be known for actually what I'm known for? And in that process, I came across something that I thought, wow, this is good. Because I think most of us have a a major issue. And it's the aspect of our starting point. I talked very briefly about this last week, knowing what we're going to be talking about this week. But if you start in the wrong place, going the wrong way, you're never going to get to where you're going. Last week, I made the comment that if I get on 75 and I'm wanting to go to Florida and I head north, it doesn't matter how long I travel. You know where I'm never going to get to? I'm never going to get to Florida. And I think the way we start something has a lot to do with some of the things that we are encountering in our life. In fact, I'll go one step further. Psychologists and different people will tell you Then when it comes to your memory, when it comes to your memory and the way that that you remember things, I think for most of us, our issue is we remember wrongly. And what psychologists say is that there's really two types of memory. There's three, but most of us fall in these first two. Most people's memories are either subjective. In other words, they're they're biased because of, of their personal feelings or emotions. If you've ever watched a football game, with somebody that's a fan of that particular team, then you understand what I mean by, by that concept as far as subjective. But there's another thing with our memory. Not only do we have this subjective where our feelings and emotions get involved, and usually what happens is, is the memory we have gets bigger than what it actually is. But there's another thing that happens where it's called selective memory. And if subjective memory things get bigger than what they actually are, selective memory we tend to leave stuff out. Because of selective memory, I want to read to you what I wrote down. Single failures can sometimes fashion a defeated attitude in us. One simple failure all of a sudden creates this defeatism in us. Because of selective memory and the way we remember stuff, a single trauma, something that's kind of hit us, can all of a sudden take away from our personality. It starts making us really struggle. Because of selective memory, one bad relationship, one person that destroys our confidence, that betrays us, that disappoints us, can lead into this this all of a sudden this, this whirlwind of not being able to trust people. Like, because of selective memory, if you're not careful, what you think happened and what actually happened are not even on the same page. 
And because you start gearing up on what your past and what you think happened, it sends you in a very detrimental place to where you're trying to go. I want to show with you today, straight out of God's word, what I believe will signify exactly what I'm trying to explain and let you know how big of a deal it is that you remember your past correctly. That you don't allow your memories to be under your own little control where you, you try to remember what you want or you make it something that it's really not. Now, I want to preface this for just a minute. For some of you today, it's going to be a great day, and I'm not discounting anything about you. I'm not telling you that I, I'm a very optimistic person. I am one of those guys that the glass is always, always not half full. It's in the process of being filled up. It's not done yet. That is my approach to everything. And so I don't, I'm not saying that we, we take our memories and we just kind of have this, oh, everything. That's not, I'm just saying, what would it look like if we look back at the things we went through and we allow those things to lead us as we start thinking about what do we want to be known for and what are we known for? Well, to help you understand this, we're going to be in the book of Numbers. And we're going to study one big event that is the cornerstone for the Israelites. If you were to talk to the Jewish people, there is one event in life that is their, I mean, it is their founding moment. In fact, there's a whole book in God's Word before the book of Numbers that is all about this one event. This one event ends up being something that is such a big deal that every year on the calendar, their biggest festival, their biggest party, a.k.a. Passover, was about this event. The event, the exodus. The time that the Jewish people were led by Moses after 400 years of captivity out of Egyptian slavery and into the promised land. This theme is the central theme of God's word. The central theme of God's word is that he is in the process of taking people that are trapped and enslaved and giving them freedom and a promised land. In the Old Testament, it was the Jewish people with the Exodus, and they celebrated it with the Passover. Jesus himself, ironically enough, came and lived his life in 33 years when he got ready to be crucified. It was on Passover weekend that he was crucified. If you remember the account of Jesus Christ's crucifixion, they talk about that because it was Passover and it was getting close to the end. They were going to break the legs of everybody on the cross. Well, we knew because of Old Testament prophecy that the lamb would never have a bone broken. This is the reason why Jesus has already given up his spirit, said it was finished, and died. And when they went to check him, they noticed he was already dead, so they pierced his side. Again, another Old Testament prophecy, rather than breaking his legs. And they did that because they were needing to take them off of the cross because the Passover preparation was in the process of being started. Catch this. This is the main thing for you to understand before we dive into God's Word. The reason why Jesus was crucified on the Passover weekend is the same reason why Exodus is the central theme for God's people. Jesus was crucified on Passover weekend because on that cross, he gave us the ability to leave from being enslaved people in captivity that through him we could have freedom and all the things that God promised us. It is the central theme of God's word. 
But with that being said, it is amazing how quickly in the middle of the Exodus that the people of God, the Jews, forgot exactly what they were doing. If you're taking notes, you may want to write some of this down. Ironically enough, the actual journey, the journey from Mount Sinai to the Promised Land should have taken 11 days. 11 days. How long did it take the Jewish people? 40 years. In fact, if you were to look at the Exodus and read it, before we get to Numbers, you will see that the actual Exodus, them getting out of Egypt, that only took one day. In one day, they left, they fled, they crossed the Red Sea, the waters were parted, then the sea came back and killed all the Pharaoh and his people, and they went to Mount Sinai. One day. And then from that point, they should have been able to be in their promised land in 11 days, and it took them 40 years. I wrote down, just in case you're curious, for those that are taking notes, for the record, that's 14,589 days longer than the original ETA of what was supposed to take place. For all the guys in the room, do you know how many stops you'd have to take on family vacation to eat up that much time? If you've ever been with me on a vacation, I mean, I'm one of those, I'm getting better with my old age because I actually am affected by this as well now. But I used to be like, look, get a bottle, get a bag. Like, we ain't stopping. Daddy, but I got to use the bathroom. Well, you shouldn't have drank anything today. <laughs> Daddy, that's called dehydration. No, it's called fasting and prayer. I mean, it's one of those things, like, when I got ready to go somewhere, I'm like, look, it's supposed to take us seven hours and 26 minutes. Here's the goal, to get there before that. Could you imagine Moses and there's a lot more to this story that I don't have time to talk about today. But to be at Mount Sinai and be like, okay, man, 11 days, we're going to be in the promised land. 14,000 plus days later, he's not even able to enter. And he's going, what? What? what is this wilderness? Like, why are we here? And it brings up the question, why? Why did it take God's people 40 years to go on a journey that would only should have taken 11 days. Well, can I give you an answer? You ever heard the saying, you can take the boy out of the country, but you can't take the country out of the boy? Or maybe you've heard it, you can take the boy out of the city, but you can't take the city out of the boy, or however you want to do it. You know the reality of it? It only took God one day. Listen to this. It only took God one day to get his people out of Egypt. It took 40 years to get Egypt out of his people. They'd been enslaved for 400 years. And you know what that does? It creates an aspect of defeatism. It creates an aspect of normalcy. You start thinking that this is what life is really supposed to be like. I will give you the best example I can give you, and I want to be very careful. I had an amazing family growing up. My mom was 
absolutely outstanding. My biological father was great when he was sober. He had a disease. He had alcoholism, and that caused him to make some decisions that weren't the best choices. And so because of that, there were times that he wanted to wrestle and fight and be abusive. And, and it wasn't like just this, well, it probably was. It, it probably was exactly what I think it was in my mind. But I tried to make it better because that's my dad, right? But, but here's the crazy part. What I experienced at my house was what I thought everybody experienced at their house. Like I can remember going to school and having somebody be like, man, I got in trouble last night. I got a whooping, and in my mind, I'm like, oh, man, I know what that meant, you know? Like, my reality is what I thought everybody's reality was. I thought everybody laid in the bed and woke up every time lights went through the window because you didn't know if it was your dad coming home late at night, and it could be a wrestling match. I thought everybody laid in their bed, and, and when, when every time, I literally, as a kid, every time somebody pulled in our driveway, I would wake up. Because I was going, okay, now I'm going to sit here and see. And, and literally, I'd be like, dear Jesus, just like everybody go to bed type thing. Now, don't mishear me. I don't want to make that to be something bigger than what it was. But the point of the matter is, what my reality was is what I thought everybody's reality was. I believe that one of the issues in the 2021 church is that God has some amazing journey for you and for me. The problem is the way we're remembering our past is entrapping us, and we're taking way too many years to get to what God wants in our life because you can take the boy out of the country, but you can't take the country out of the boy. You can take the person out of the captivity of sin, but for whatever reason, it's like, well, you can't take the sin out of us. And I'm not talking about living a perfect life. Can I give you an example? Rather than me sitting up here and talking about it, can I show you God's word of exactly what I'm talking about? In chapter 11, verse 4, listen to these words. Now the rabble that was among them had a strong craving. Now, if you're like me, the first thing I tried to figure out is, number one, what was that word? Never heard that before, and what exactly is that? So being the amazing theologian that I am, I Googled it. And what that means is it's a crowd. It's a large, mischievous crowd that's up to something. Okay, And listen to what's going on. Listen, this is God's people. And the people of Israel also wept and again said. Now these are the people that are in the wilderness. Oh, that we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt that cost us nothing. The cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, the garlic. But now our strength is dried up. And there is nothing at all but this manna to look at. This is God's people Talking about manna, preface this, manna was a miracle. In the wilderness, there's literally all of God's people. When the dew fell, the manna would fall as well. They would go and get what they needed just for that day. Because at the end of the day, it would all be bad and it would all go away. And the next day, they would get this manna again. They basically describe it. In the Old Testament, it's basically like a cake type of bread. But it was something that had everything that you need. I mean, let me put it in perspective. God's baking this. Now, I don't know how good your wife is at cooking. Mine's pretty amazing. But I'm pretty sure that God being God, he's probably really good at providing for my needs. And these people are complaining about it. And listen to what they do. They, this, this selective memory. 
They go, oh, do you remember when we were back in Egypt? When we had that meat and onions and leeks and lentils and all of this stuff, and it cost us nothing? You know what they were leaving out? It cost you nothing because you were a slave. Like, let that sink in for a minute. It cost them nothing because they didn't have freedom. They were slaves. They were under the Egyptian rule. They were working day and night, and it was a terrible situation. But in their memory, they're going, oh, if I can only go back. Back when we used to be able to eat and have all this food and it was abundance and it was free. and we, Life was so much better. But the way we remember stuff is crucial, right? I believe that's what's going on. And I don't have time to speak this whole story, a biblical account. But it's right after this that God ends up sending this, this wind that pushes all these quail. And they have quail for days. But what's amazing is, listen, I believe... The crutch of what's going on in this story is the crutch is probably where you are and where I am. Our issue in 2021 is the same issue that God's people had right after the Exodus. We don't remember things correctly. We don't remember things in the right way. And because of the way we remember things that have happened in our life, it entraps us and helps us or it actually holds us back from moving forward. It's kind of like God's people who are literally saying, hey, this miracle that you're providing in my life, I don't really like this. I'm tired of this miracle called manna. I would like to go back to being in captive and slave. I know that you're supposed to have this promise that I'm going to get to, and in that promise there's going to be this amazing freedom, but that's kind of going to require a little bit of work. So therefore, I would, I mean, if it's okay with you, God, I would just go back to being enslaved where I don't really have to do anything, but then I can get all of this stuff. Now, though I'll never be able to move forward in my life because I'm captive, at least I have my needs met. In God's people, that's exactly what was going on. Here's what I wrote in my notes. The concept of, of what they had in the past was not free. The reality is, is that meat that they associated as free was costing them everything in their life because they were slaves. And their aspect of selective memory is the same issue that you and I have today because we have a selective way of the way that we view things and look into God's Word. And as we end 21 days of prayer and and we launch into this next stage and kind of continuing it, and you get into God's Word and you start doing what God's called you to do, it's amazing how much our past creeps up and the way that we allow ourselves to really look at it will affect the way that our future days are, are going to happen. In fact, the other thing that I wrote, I just simply wrote it this way. If you remember wrongly, it's downright debilitating to your future. Like for some of us, and I say us because I'm putting myself in this circle, Sometimes we don't want to talk about the things that we've been through in the past because, to be honest with you, sometimes they're too hurtful. 
And so we try to candy coat them and make them to be something they're not. When in reality is, is God's in the process of doing something amazing in your life. And he wants to take your past, not to correct the past, but to give you an amazing tomorrow and an even better future. But if you can't look at your past and actually look at it the right way and understand it better, you're going to have a hard time moving forward in your life. The other way I put it, very simply, I said we need to remember things the right way. And then listen to this. You aren't defined by the things you've done wrong. You are defined by what Christ did right. Like as we start trying to figure out what do we want to be known for and what are we actually known for. We need to quit letting the things that we've done wrong define us, that enslave us and entrap us. And start realizing what defines us is not the things that I've done wrong, but the things that Christ did right. Like I think this aspect and this mentality of what we're going through and the things that we're doing is really a mentality that's been put in our head because this aspect of selective memory and taking things away really keeps us from going and doing the things that God's called us to do. Like it's the story of the Passover, right? They want to have this huge celebration and, and every year it's still the biggest celebration across the world for Jews and Gentiles. The Jews call it Passover. You call it Easter. But can I read what I wrote? We need to not celebrate Easter for the freedom it gives us and then turn around and keep living like slaves. Like, I think a lot of us get intrigued with that question of what do you want to be known for and then what are you actually known for? And we're like, man, that's a good question. And we talk about all the things that God has done and how much he's for us. But yet then we turn around and leave in a defeated attitude or, or we have these struggles or we feel like we can't do something. We feel that we're less than because of something we've done in the past. And today all I want to do is give you some encouragement and then tell you what we're going to do about it. Because see, I believe that, that one of the issues that everybody in this room, including myself, struggle with the most the biggest reason why you may not be moving forward where you want to go with what God wants to have in your life for what you want to be known for and what you're not actually known for is one simple concept. You got stinking thinking. You don't remember things the right way. So therefore your perspective's off and even your launching point and where you're trying to get to you're jumping on 75 wanting to go to Florida. The problem is you're headed to Canada. And you're wondering why you're not getting there. And so the question is, well, Mickey, that sounds great, Grant. So what are we going to do about it? We've got to change our mentality. We've got to start getting the right way of thinking and remembering things. And can I tell you where that starts? It's the reason why we've done everything we can to get these study Bibles that are available to you in the back at a very discounted price. It's the reason why I take the time and write all that 21 days prayer guide and journal and here's some things you, and you read through that. See, the best way to change your thinking 
And remembering things with reality is to get into truth and to remember the things correctly. Truth always has a way of fighting for itself if you allow the truth to actually come up. Sometimes when we think about the past, the truth hurts. But that doesn't make it any less the truth. Sometimes when we talk about the past, the truth comes up and it gives us something that we have to deal with. Sometimes the truth comes up and it gives us freedom. Ultimately, Christ says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father except through me. See, if we can start getting into what God says is the truth, and we can start focusing less on what we've done and more on what he did, all of a sudden we can start understanding a new mentality that my future is not based on anything I've done in the past. It's about everything that Christ has done and is doing for me in the future. And so what I think we got to do as a church in 2021, we're talking about this for movement and what are you for and who are you for. We got to start grabbing into God's word and understand just how much he's for us and start to understand his word better. But we want to go one more step. Today, we have leveraged a lot of different things that when you leave, you will have the ability to pick up any of these things. One resource, though, but pick up any of these things. Now, I'm going to go ahead and tell you. That I'm going to get done with this and some of you are going to leave and you're going to say, listen, now I'm not doing one more thing. My life is so busy. I don't have time for this. Or you're going to be one of those guys in particular that says, but I don't read. Listen, I'm not going to argue with you. I have no problem with that. But I hope you're satisfied where you are. Like, let's just be honest. If you don't want to do anything about it, I don't have a problem with that. But will you please do all of us a favor? Learn to cope with where you are because that's where you're going to be. Because when you choose to do nothing, you know what happens in your life? Nothing. But if you're starting to find yourself longing for something, can I tell you it's going to usually take you doing something. But I'm going to tell you where all this starts. It's not, oh, well, our church is all trying to read these different books and these different resources. It starts with all of us making a commitment to saying, you know what? The first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to make sure I use these resources to get into God's word. Like these are all helpful because they get us in the here. And as I get into God's word, I'm going to start looking back at where my life has been. The journey that he's had me on. And I'm going to make a commitment for my memories to not be subjective, to not be selective, but for my memories to be objective. In other words, it is what it is. And you're going to see, I truly believe this, that the more that we look into our past, from the picture of who God is and the journey he's had you on, what he is calling you to do will be so obvious, it'll be as clear as the writing on the wall. But you know where it starts? You making a commitment to be honest with yourself. If you were encouraged by today's podcast and would like to experience other talks, visit us at crcconline.com.